0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting ready for the final shot of the third quarter. It's Kemba. Fire!
1: You're listening to BuzzBeat Radio, your premier Charlotte Hornets show. Now broadcasting with your host, Richie and Spencer. What's up, BuzzBeat listeners? This is Richie, one half of the BuzzBeat. Unfortunately, Spencer won't be able to make it tonight on episode 26 of BuzzBeat Radio. He is spending some time with his family over Memorial Day weekend. Hope all of you guys had a great weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Spent some time with some family. Maybe you spent some time at the pool or grilled out. But definitely wanted to get an episode out there to you guys uh, because it seems like it's been a long time since our last one. Again, this is our 26th episode of Buzzbeat Radio. We want to get you guys involved as as much as possible. And uh, we set up a voicemail. And you can call this voicemail. I believe it goes directly to the voicemail. It'll ask you to leave your message, so just leave your leave your name, your message, whether it's a comment or a question about the Hornets season. It can be as quick as you know a fifteen second question, or you can actually give your take on the Hornets, and we'll try to put it in the show. So you'll actually get to hear your voice during the show uh, if you call up this voicemail. Unfortunately, we didn't get any voicemails this time around. We did get a couple questions through Twitter, which I will address briefly today. Uh, on the show. But if you want to call into the voicemail, the number is 980-999-0678. Again, the voicemail is 980-999-0678. So definitely give that a call if you want to, if you want your voice heard here on BuzzBeat. This show, uh, obviously, without Spencer, is not going to be much of a dialogue. I'm just going to go over a couple of quick news with the Charlotte Hornets. You know, this is kind of a weird time right now, where the the playoffs are still going on. We still got two teams, which we expected all along, the Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors, will be facing off on Thursday for Game One of the Finals. Again, this is what everyone expected, and I, I think the playoffs. I mean, it definitely needs a Finals like this, considering how the playoffs have gone. Every round, I feel like has gotten worse and worse in terms of just the competitiveness. The first round of the NBA playoffs, I actually enjoyed. I didn't watch much of the second round, but I would say it it wasn't as good as the first just based off of what I saw and based off the highlights and and everything I read up on. Uh, And then the third round was even worse. I mean, it just the conference conference finals were over before you knew it. So that's why we have this big gap, big delay before the, the NBA finals. Again, this is the third time in a row that the Cavaliers and the Warriors will be facing off. And I'm excited to watch it. I will watch every game. Uh, whether that's five, six, seven, I do think it's going to go five or six. I think, I think some people think that it's going to go the distance. I, I do see Warriors winning in, in five or six. Cavaliers uh, have some holes on the defensive end, but uh, they're actually playing some good basketball in the playoffs. But uh, obviously, they've not faced anyone of the caliber of the Warriors. So yeah, it is kind of a weird time for Hornets fans because it's not quite the off season. So there's no real news to speak of, but I we'll I will go over a couple of things. The first news uh, happened recently in which we were awarded Charlotte. The city of Charlotte was awarded the 2019 NBA All-Star Game. Again, we were slated to have the 2017 All-Star Game here in Charlotte, but because of House Bill 2, it was uh, pulled from the city of Charlotte, and we saw a lot of sporting events in Charlotte get pulled because of this bill. Uh, Very controversial bill, and uh, definitely had an impact on the city of Charlotte and the state of North Carolina as a whole. The NBA did say that they were going to reserve Charlotte in 2019 if they can get it revised or repealed. That's House Bill 2, that is. And it was. I don't think it was a total repeal. Uh, And many people will say that it really wasn't much of a revision, but uh, we do have have the All-Star game in 2019. I think many probably would have... uh, Enjoyed having it this year, especially considering the fact that Kemba uh, made his first All-Star game. It would have been a good year, good season for him to showcase his talents here in Charlotte. Uh, it would have been a nice little story there, but unfortunately, uh, that was pulled and given to New Orleans. Sounds like a familiar story where a lot of things are taken from the city of Charlotte and given to the, uh, the city of New Orleans. So here's just a, a quote from uh, Michael Jordan, according to Hornets.com, about his take and his reaction to the fact that Charlotte has been awarded the 2019 All-Star Game. Quote, We are thrilled the league has awarded NBA All-Star 2019 to the city of Charlotte. We want to thank Commissioner Silver for his leadership throughout this process and for the decision to bring NBA All-Star back to Buzz City. All-Star Weekend, Is an international event that will provide a tremendous economic impact to our community while showcasing our city, our franchise, and our passionate Hornets fan base to people around the world. We look forward to serving as host for the NBA All-Star 2019 and welcome all visitors and guests to the Spectrum Center. End quote. So, I mean the biggest thing to take away from this, he talks about the all-star weekend being very uh, international an international event people from all over all eyes are on Charlotte all eyes are on whatever city there is uh, that's hosting that all-star game and it definitely has a tremendous economic impact and we saw the impact that the uh, HB2 had on on North Carolina in general Uh, it was projected that they lost 630 million dollars because of this bill and 106 million of that was because of the All-Star Game. Again, these, these are just projections of uh, the millions and millions of dollars that the state of North Carolina lost. So, you know, it, it it's no longer about politics. I mean, it's still about politics, but it's also all about the money. And uh, if the city of North Carolina wants to bring in that money, uh, they might have to do some revisions on the political end so that uh, big sporting events like the NCAA tournament Uh, an NBA All-Star game, can come here to the city of Charlotte in the state of North Carolina. And I was a little surprised that the fact that we did get this uh, All-Star game back in 2019 because I know from everything that I've read, House Bill 2 wasn't necessarily completely repealed, but it was revised a little bit. Um, It kind of resets things back to the way that they were prior to uh, the Charlotte uh, City Council proposing that ordinance. You know, we all call it the bathroom law, but also this new uh, HB 142 uh, restricts cities from creating non-discriminatory ordinance until December 2020. So it's definite date now in, in terms of when they can create non-discriminatory ordinances like Charlotte did uh, recently, but it still won't be solved by unless something changes. It still won't be solved by... Uh, the 2019 All Star Game. So, from everything I'm understanding, it's a revision. It definitely puts a definite date on when the the non discriminatory ordinances can be put back into place. So, if the city of Charlotte wanted to do that, uh, they could. They would have to wait till 2020. So, I guess the NBA saw that it was a step in the right direction, and now they have awarded Charlotte the 2019 All Star Game. So next year, next year it actually will be in L A. The year following, the season following, will be in Charlotte. So obviously this means a lot for the city. It means a lot for the, the, the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, when it all comes down to it, it came down to money. And uh, the city of Charlotte and especially the state of North Carolina has to, has to have realized that after all the millions of dollars that they lost because of this bill, sometimes the politics need to be put to the side or, you know, just do the right thing. Just do the right thing is really what it comes down to. All right, another set of news that has come out recently is Kimba's third knee procedure. And this is kind of wish, I wish Spencer was here to discuss this with me because I would want to know what his take is uh, on Kimba's knee surgery. This is his third knee surgery in about three years. Uh, Last year, in May of 2016, he had a procedure to uh, fix a torn meniscus. The year prior, it was in January of 2015, where his knee had uh, some inflammation uh, and then this year just recently in the past uh, two weeks or so he had what we call a minor procedure on his knee. I don't know exactly what minor means but definitely fixing some of the same knee issues, the same knee that he's been having issues with for the past several years. It will take six weeks for Kimba to recover completely and he'll be clear to participate in basketball activities probably around late June, early July So I would really want Spencer here to hear his take maybe on the next show that we'll we'll kind of talk to him about this. I don't think necessarily the fact that he's not being able to participate until late June, early July is really the issue here. It's more of a concern moving forward. You know, will this continue to happen where he's going to have to have these minor knee procedures to kind of clean up that left knee? You know, I I don't think we necessarily saw any lack of explosion for Kemba this year. Like it, it wasn't noticeable by any means but you know what I saw from this team is that we over relied on Kemba. you know we, we don't have a backup point guard that can come in and we're not having to worry if we're going to blow a lead or, or if this lead that uh, is right there at the cusp is just going to balloon in the o- opposition's favor so the backup point guard position definitely needs to be addressed because if not we saw towards the end of the year, it just felt like Kimba was playing more than he had to, especially in the second half. You know, he he needed to take a rest. He needed to make sure that his body doesn't take this toll year after year. Uh, because if so, I don't see these knees uh, getting any better. I can see the wear and tear definitely increasing throughout the years, and this is something that I would I would consider somewhat of a concern. I, I don't think that we can just kind of brush this off and say, "Oh, it's just a minor procedure that he had in May. He'll be back." by July and we're all good to go. Okay. I mean, that may be the case come July and August and October when the season starts. But as the season progresses, if we don't address this backup point guard position and he's having to carry the load again, like he did this year, uh, this, the concern for the knee goes up. Okay. And, uh, who knows how many procedures he's going to have on this knee. We don't want it to be every single year where he's having to get this cleaned up. So, I don't know how concerned Charlotte fans are. I would definitely want to know what Spencer's take on this is because I, I'm a little bit concerned about this, uh, but more concerned about the fact that we need to address that backup point card position because Sessions wasn't getting it done, and uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. And then we had Brian Roberts fill in. He wasn't the answer. And then Briante Weber uh, is just too young to uh, completely understand uh, how to run an offense uh, from the point guard position, and, and he came in to our system halfway through the year, so it wasn't necessarily something that he was in there f- through uh, training camp and kind of working his way from the beginning of the year. So he, he's not going to be the answer uh, in, in the short term, Briante, Weber. that is, maybe in the long term. Uh, I can see him as a third point guard, but uh, this offseason, if we don't address this backup point guard position, th- these knee problems from Kimba are going to continue in my eyes. All right, the next set of information that we came across today, I mean, not many people heard about this, uh, but uh, I saw I saw a Twitter post uh, from MKG, or maybe it wasn't MKG, maybe it was actually his uh, new shooting coach, Chris Matthews, on Twitter, a.k.a. Lethal Shooter. Uh, he was a uh, basketball player uh, not too long ago that tried to make it to the NBA. He didn't. He played college ball uh, under Tony Bennett at Washington State. He then transferred to St. Bonaventure. Uh, to be closer to home. He never made it to the NBA, like I said, uh, but he did play for the, uh, the D League for a little bit and also played overseas. He is a shooting coach that has worked with Dwight Howard before, and we all know that Dwight Howard has, has his up-and-down career when it comes to shooting the ball, especially from the free throw line. He's worked with them this year, and I know that he has other clients, but that was kind of one of the notable ones that I've seen that he's worked with. He actually shot 63% from the free-throw line, Dwight Howard, that is, in the playoffs. And uh, I know that doesn't seem great, but for, for Howard, it is. And I saw what the effects that he had on Howard in terms of just the way his mechanics were. Uh, you know, it was less movement. It was more fluid. And uh, I remember Dwight Howard always used to just flip the ball up there when he was shooting from the free-throw line. And it kind of looks a little bit more fluid recently, and I, we saw that in the playoffs. Then I saw some videos of him working with Chris Matthews on his Twitter and Instagram page, and this the photo that they showed of MKG was him from the free throw line, and it looked like he had good balance. Again, this was just a still shot, uh, and, and his elbow was in; it wasn't flared out like it like it normally is. So, again. <laughs> This is one of those things where MKG has had these inconsistencies with his mechanics since coming into the league, and I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to shooting. It's just muscle memory, and if if you can get down uh, some of the good mechanics and you can consistently do that, uh, you become you become a better shooter instantly. MKG has had poor mechanics, but he's also had inconsistencies in, in the way that he shot the ball. You know, we've we've had shooters before that didn't that don't always have the best mechanics. You know, we have Kevin Martin who kind of shoots from the hip. Reggie Miller when he, after he shot in his follow through, his hands touched. Okay. One of the one of the best three point shooters uh there ever has been in the NBA. Reggie Miller didn't have the most sound mechanics. That I mean that is an issue with MKG is his mechanics. That that elbow flares out, both of them. Uh but really the shooting elbow is kind of what we want to focus on. And it just hasn't been consistent throughout his career. So I don't know how much hope I'm going to put into the fact that he has a new shooting coach. He's going to have to be consistent with what he does. And who knows, it may be too late in his career to actually establish something like this. Because it's one of those things, if you if you were taught something for so long, or if you, or if you practice something for so long, it's almost just ingrained in the way that you shoot the ball. And MKG's biggest thing, uh, the biggest knock on him is the the fact that he can't stretch the floor cannot stretch the floor he's going to offer you everything that he can on the defensive defensive side he's going to try his his hardest to shut down the opposing wing he does a very good job of of getting that defensive rebound and and going out in transition he's gotten better in transition he still kind of shies away from contact at the rim but the one thing that's always been the knock on him is, is his shooting and i don't think we can ever expect him to extend his range out to the three-point line, but one thing that I think that we should expect of him is to get a, is to get a freaking uh, mid-range shot, because if he doesn't have any range and he doesn't stretch the floor and doesn't have any consistency in the mid-range, uh, the defense should, will just clog up even more. And I know that he likes to try to get the ball at the rim uh, and try to beat it that way, but if he can't stretch the floor even to the slightest from the mid-range, going to be one of those things where his name gets brought up more and more in, in conversations more than it already has in trade conversations i know a lot of people have already been saying that you know kid gilchrist's trade value is at its highest point as it you know as it ever has been he's still young 24 years old he's got room to grow but it's one of those things if he doesn't consistently shoot the ball uh with consistent mechanics uh, it's not ever going to develop for him. So I know a lot of Hornets fans have seen this photo and probably are kind of shaking their heads. Well, it's it's great that he's trying, and, and that's you know always something that you never have to question with MKG is his ability uh, to try, his his ability to to work hard and try to get better every year. He's a he's a competitor, and uh, we know that from him. But you know, I know a lot of people are clamoring for the fact that he needs to be traded. And maybe maybe his value is at an all time high right now, but I'm always I always I just hope that uh, one day he can get that mid range shot. I'm not expecting a three point shot, but if he can get that mid range shot down, it would be great for his game, and it would it would make things easier him on him on the offensive end, and especially for the Hornets as well. So, uh, be interesting to see how Chris Matthews lethal shooter gets him in this new this new shooting form. And let's see if it sticks with them. Let's see if it sticks. So we interrupt this great podcast that you're listening to. My name is Kevin Rayfuse. I'm Tim Tompkins. And I'm Justin Kuzart, And we host the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. We cover every team in the league and a bunch of really fun segments like random NBA player, Drive and Dougal, and hot takes from Reddit. So when you're done listening to this podcast, give us a search on iTunes or whatever podcast streaming app you're listening on. We're also at DriveAndDishPodcast.com. We are the Drive and Dish NBA podcast. All right, we're going to get to the portion of the show where you guys get involved. Uh, we've stated this multiple times. You don't need to wait for a tweet from BuzzBeat Radio for you guys to send in your questions. We'll take them anytime. We'll try to make a note of them so that we can get them on the show. Or, even better, if you call our voicemail, like I stated at the beginning of the show, you will actually will get to hear your voice. Again, that number is 980-999-0678. If, if you want your voice to be heard, send in any questions or comments through that voicemail. We do have three questions uh, for the show that I want to talk about briefly. Uh, the first one is from at Patrick Connor 7 Can we rank the top 10 prospects in this year's draft? I think this is a, a good thing to do because, guess what? We're drafting number 11. So if these 10 players go to the first 10 teams, and again, it's always, you know, not every team drafts best player available or they have the same big board as everyone else. You know, after these players are off the board, there's going to be two or three or four that we have, from choosing, so my top ten prospects, and again, Spencer is the college uh, nut here, not me. I don't know what I would do without Draft Express. That has helped me a lot when it comes to researching for these prospects. So my my top ten probably looks very similar to a mock draft that you're going to see on Draft Express. Uh, I don't have much knowledge in terms of trying to switch things around. So my top ten prospects, and I would love to hear what Spencer's are. Uh, number one is Fultz. Number two is Jackson. I actually like him a little bit better than Ball. And I think it might just be for the fact that I do like wings a little bit better, threes and fours a little bit better than, than twos. And uh, I just like the way that he projects on both ends of the court. I got Lonzo Ball at number three. Tatum at number four. Darren Fox at number five. Jonathan Isaac at number six. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about Isaac. Um, I wonder if he slips a little bit. Uh, he just is one of those players that is probably... Going to be picked more based off of his upside, uh, and I don't know that word is ever used um, more than maybe his production that that he had at Florida State. But yeah, I have him at number six. Number seven, Malik Monk, and again we talked about here on the show that maybe he will slide because of his his height, um, but uh, he, he's I think he's solidly in the top ten. Number eight, Smith Junior from NC State, uh, Brian Geisinger and Spencer uh, recently put out a post on Queen City Hoops pitting. Smith Jr. against uh, Neilakina, and definitely check out those those prospects head-to-head prospects post that we got that we have over at Queen City Hoops. I'm going to be putting one out for my guy uh, Donovan Mitchell, and he's going to be pitted against another prospect. I won't tell you who, but that should be coming out in the next two weeks or so. I think we still got like two more scheduled, uh, and there's the two that we've done so far have been very very informative. The one that, that Brian and Spencer recently did, uh, it's very, very lengthy. Has some uh, definitely number overload on Brian's side. He loves those stats, but uh, it definitely gives a good case for both Smith Jr. and Neila Kina. But I have Smith Jr. at 8 on my top 10 prospects. Number 9, I got Collins. And then number 10, I got Markkanen. And uh, we've talked about Markkanen here on this show. That, you know, other than his uh, lethal shooting from outside, is there much that he offers Uh, anything else you know whether it's even on the offensive end like what else does he offer on the offensive end I know that he's probably he is the best big shooter in this draft but defensively he's a hole and on the offensive end is he just going to be a stretch four stretch five that has no inside game whatsoever so a lot of people see something in him because he is projected to go in the lottery and in the top 10 for most people mock draft mock draft but I got him at number ten. So those are my top ten for you, Patrick Connor seven. Take that with a grain of salt again, because I am not a college nut like Spencer is. Next question actually comes from again from Patrick Connor seven. Who will win the Rookie of the Year? When I first read this question, I didn't know if he was meaning the upcoming draft class or the the season that is uh, almost ended here with uh, one more uh, round to go with the finals. And the more that I think about it, I think he was talking about this season. I think when I initially read it, I thought he was talking about the upcoming draft and who I thought would win the Rookie of the Year. Uh, But I do think he means this year. But anyway, I'll I'll give you both answers. And I think both answers are going to be based on the same logic. I think a lot of times, rookies that are placed in good situations, teams that are competing for the playoffs, teams that have good pieces around them that they can come in and fit in right away, uh, typically do well. Typically do well. You know, obviously, unless you're a star that's taking over a a pretty bad team, it it does take some help. I mean, it does take some help. So I I will say Fultz. And again, this assumes that uh, he is drafted number one overall to the Celtics, and the Celtics don't trade the pick. So that's kind of why I'm assuming that this question was for this current season that we're in. So to answer the question of the current season, I'm going to go with Malcolm Brogdon. He hasn't been flashy. And, and obviously the other other two candidates are Joel Embiid and Dario Sarch. Embiid if he played if he played sixty, sixty-five games, he would this would be a shoo in for him. Okay, no doubt. That's what makes this conversation interesting is the fact that he's only played like thirty games this year. You know, when he first started the season, he would he wouldn't play on back to backs and then he got injured and then he was shut down for the rest of the year. And that's another thing with Embiid. He is technically a rookie by by definition, but you know, his first two years in the in the league, he sat out as well. And I always I mean, I, I get it. I mean I get that he can still win the rookie of the year, but I wonder how valid it is. I know that Blake Griffin did the same thing. He sat out a year, didn't play. And I know that you're not really getting better if if you're rehabbing all the time, but just something about not being a rookie is Uh, in terms of being drafted that year and you winning the Rookie of the Year. I always felt weird about that, but Blake Griffin did do that, and Embiid, if he were to win, technically he wasn't drafted this year in the 2016 draft. So I don't think he's going to win, though, because I don't think he's played enough games. I don't think voters are going to go that way. I think that Malcolm Brogdon, while he hasn't been flashy, he's gotten it done throughout this course of the year. He's been the most consistent Saric, on the other hand, uh, was definitely up and down in the beginning of the year. Post-All-Star break, if Sarge put up the numbers that he did post-All-Star break throughout the course of the year, uh, his name would probably be the front runner. But Brogdon, like I said, he's in a good situation. He plays for a playoff team or a team that was in the playoffs, and he started to see the court a little bit more as a starter late in the season. And another interesting fact about Brogdon, he was a second-round pick. 36th overall i believe so he would be the first second round pick to be um to be awarded the rookie of the year so uh, definitely an interesting story there you know he's not flashy like i said very efficient player He distributes the ball very well shoots the ball from three at an an efficient clip and and he plays defense and he's been doing it all season long he really hasn't uh, necessarily had these big ups and downs Pretty consistent through uh, the 82 seasons. I know he didn't play all 82 games, but uh, definitely more consistent than Joel Embiid and uh, his team played in the playoffs. So I think the case for Brogdon is probably the easiest to make, and I do think that he's going to win. I don't know if Spencer would say the same thing, but I I think he would. I think he would. And it would be interesting to see Embiid win it just because um, he has been the best rookie, quote-unquote, that has played this year, but he just has not played enough games. All right, the last question uh, comes from Radford333 on Twitter. Who can the Hornets get to replace Sessions? They are going to replace him, right? So that was his question sent in, and uh, like I said, I told you we were going to get to Sessions in this show uh, because I knew this question was coming up. And I will say, uh, we talked about this several shows ago. Uh, We definitely need to replace Sessions. Now, one of two things can happen. We can draft a point guard or a combo guard, or in free agency, we can use our mid-level exception to acquire a point guard. Now, the mid-level exception this year is higher than it was last year. It's about $8 million or so, and that, that can get you a decent player. It can get you a decent player. It can get you a player that that um, is going to offer you something a little bit more than Sessions did this year. Now, but if you look at the free agent class, the point guard uh, position is pretty slim pickings there. Pretty slim pickings. And you have players like Sean Livingston, who we've mentioned before, Darren Collison. Out of all the point guards listed in the free agent class and the ones that are in our range realistically, Collison is going to be the one that would make sense for that MLE out of, any of the, out of any of the players there. But the issue is, is he worth the MLE? Is he worth Emily, or would it be better, and and, and Spencer and I kind of talked about this, would it be better to go for a P.J. Tucker or somebody else that is better than than Collison can offer you something at a different position and then take the draft and use that to fill in for our backup point guard. Now, you all know who, who I like in this draft and who I've been gushing about is with Donovan Mitchell, and yes, he did play shooting guard at Louisville, uh, but he definitely has the skills that translate over to the point guard position, or at least in the, at least a combo guard at the least. You know, he's six three, which is more the size of a point guard, and I think that many people are are hesitant about this guy because he is six three. But I'm telling you guys, his height is made up for the fact that he has a six ten wingspan, and that he also has you know unbelievable athleticism. He can jump out of the gym. So his height is made up for both of those things. So he can actually guard. I would say he can guard some threes. He can definitely guard ones and twos. You know, he's shown at Louisville that he's a good defender. He has active hands. He gets in, he gets in the passing lanes. He takes the ball the other way and his 6'10 wingspan is going to allow him to guard players that have three or four inches on him in height because he makes up for it in the fact that he has wingspan. And then on the offensive end, he's athletic enough to where he can jump out jump you and use that wingspan to finish at the rim over you. And I don't know if you guys saw, but I put together a couple of clips from Donovan Mitchell. I would say like maybe six or seven clips uh, just kind of detailing his game. I like this guy a lot. I even like him at 11. I know some people are are kind of hesitant about drafting a 6-3 combo guard at 11, I think he definitely will be there, obviously, but I also think that the value is there in in drafting him because we do need a backup point guard. At the very least, he will come in uh, on the bench and be someone that can provide a punch. And uh, eventually, eventually, I think that he can develop point guard skills because he has shown the ability to work the pick and roll. And the numbers bear that out at Louisville. Louisville were a very good team when he was the ball handler, whether he was shooting or whether he was getting others involved, they were very efficient with him out of the pick and roll. He's going to be a player that's going to be difficult to defend. You know, if he can just get his mindset right, getting the shot selection down, and being a smart basketball player, and when he shoots, and and when he drives, and when he kicks the ball, uh, everything else is going to fall into place. Because unlike MKG, who we talked about earlier, his form, his shooting form, is pretty much flawless. Like he has balance. Whether that's off the dribble, whether that's uh, stand still, he has balance and he catches it in stride and goes up. It's consistent. You know, there's not any funky movement. He has very good form. That's not something that we're ever going to worry about with Donovan Mitchell. And I'll talk more about that in my piece at, at Queen City Hoops. But you can definitely check out that thread of, of videos that I put together with Mitchell. So to answer the question, who can the Hornets get to replace Sessions? You could take two routes. If you're not, if you're going to keep them. Then you pick up his option at six million, which is which is fine. But I don't think that's the the ideal route to go. It might be realistic because I don't think people are going to see anybody in the point guard uh, free agent pull that's worth the eight million. Like, would you pay two million dollars extra to get a point guard to replace Sessions, but then you have nothing left uh, in in the free agency because we're, we're capped out? Or do you spend that money? on somebody that is of better value than Darren Collinson and then draft someone like a Donovan Mitchell in the draft to take over as the backup point guard. And again, he might not be the point guard right away, but he's definitely going to be someone that you can trust in that second unit, I think. So yes, I do think that we will replace Sessions. It's going to have to come through free agency with Collison, with the MLE. I mean, we do have the biannual, but that's, that's not going to get anyone of value or it's going to come through the draft. Um, but I do think many people think that we will pick up the option with Sessions, and I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on it be, because it might make sense to pick up the option and then use that Emily elsewhere, and just hope the other person kind of fills in and and makes up for the deficiencies on on Sessions' end. And the last thing that I want to get to is my big board of prospects for the Hornets. Again, this is not the ten prospects that I listed earlier from the question from Patrick Connor. This is just five prospects keeping it realistic in the Hornets range. Five players that are in our range that, or let's make it four. Let's make it four players that are in our range that I would like to see drafted by the Hornets. So obviously, I'm going to start with number four, and basically, if one, two, and three are not here, which I highly doubt, this is the guy that I want, and then it kind of works its way up from there. So for number four, I have OG Anunobi. He's my fourth player on my big board. So if if 1 2 and 3 are not here I'm okay with drafting this guy. But the, the issue is he reminds me a little bit too much of MKG. I think his athleticism is definitely greater uh, than MKG's at this point. But the fact that he plays great defense, he has uh, inconsistent shooting mechanics. I don't want OG just to be another MKG. But yeah, I mean his athletic ability, his potential is is there. The issue is his shooting numbers actually decline from freshman year to sophomore year. Definitely not in the right direction. And another thing that kind of scares me off with OG is his knee problems. You know, he's he's coming off an injury, and I don't believe he's going to be able to work out for any teams uh, heading into the draft. So you know, he's not going to be able to showcase his abilities. And to me, these, these one-on-one workouts or these three-on-three workouts, these draft workouts are much more telling uh, than the combine. And we talked about the combine on the last show. How you know Brian Spencer and I just feel like these big players are, are not coming out because there's nothing to gain by. It. But so he, he he probably will miss out on these. Um, to my knowledge, he's going to miss out on these draft workouts as well. I'm a little hesitant because of, the, of those newish knee issues. Number four, I have Frank Nielakina. Spencer made a great case for him at QCH on the recent uh, blog post. I think he's definitely someone that can come in and, and play that backup point guard role. He is somebody probably a little bit more easier to switch across one through three than Donovan Mitchell. He's lanky he's not athletic like Mitchell uh, but he's definitely a smooth a smooth player and uh, I know I got on to him last time because he's a passive player from France and we already have a player on our team that's like that but you know he's 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 young he has potential. And he has all the physical tools there. He just needs to continue to get better. Shooting the ball needs to continue to get better uh, on the defensive end. But he's someone that can come in right away and and step in in a Clifford system and defend one through three. Number two on the big board, I got Zach Collins. And I know that a lot of people are going to make the jokes about another white big uh, for the Hornets. And I, I do like him. I do think that automatically he would be a player that probably competed for the best post moves if not Well, he probably does have the best post moves out of anyone on our team currently, and he has shown the ability to stretch it out, uh, at least to mid-range. And I know that he's, he's made some threes throughout his course of his his freshman year at Gonzaga. I don't think he's attempted too many, uh, but it's definitely there. It's definitely there. Something more than, uh, than Zeller can say. And Zeller has never developed that mid-range shot, and that's something that I think in the upcoming years, if he doesn't, you know, his – his uh, his value to this team might drop and decrease a little bit because uh, opposing teams might defend the pick and roll a little bit differently when he's out there because right now he's getting anything that he wants. And he's a hard worker. He definitely is a hard worker, and I've said this many times that Zeller is my my second favorite player on this team. But I just do wonder if, uh, if he never develops that mid-range shot, which he hasn't, and he, he hasn't really shown no glimpses this year, if teams are going to find out a way figure out a way to defend him, and his pick-and-roll effectiveness might decrease a little bit. So if we do draft Collins, it does put the question out there, what do we do with all the other bigs? Yes, they happen to be white. What do we do with Frank Kaminsky? What do we do with Zeller? It might be a logjam. might be a logjam. might be time to trade one of those players if we do go Collins. But I don't think we shouldn't draft Collins because we are at a logjam at that position. And then number one, I know that I just gushed about this guy is Donovan Mitchell if he's there at eleven for me, which I think he will be, I think you take him I think you take him and I know that we've talked about this in the past and I've suggested this about trading back with Portland. I still think that's an option still think that's an option but I actually closer and closer to the draft, I've kind of settled in on a prospect and you know you've always heard that if if you like a prospect, not that I'm making any decisions, you just go for it okay even if he's gonna be there the possibility that he's going to be there three or four picks uh, below your spot, you go for it. You take them if you're that sold on the prospect. So that's my one through four. Mitchell at one. Collins at two. Neelakina at three. Four is going to be OG uh, and Unobi. So uh, if those four players are there, which they will be, there's there's the ones that I think that we're going to be selecting from Um, unless some kind of drastic thing occurs and we trade or somebody makes this big push come draft workout season. Uh, which should be coming up very soon, and I know that Spencer and I are not necessarily ready for the uh, the NBA playoffs to be over. We are definitely going to enjoy the the NBA finals. I know that I'm going to be uh, in tune to it way more than I was the second round of the playoffs because I, the, the playoffs have just the competitiveness have decreased round by round. Okay, it's not been fun. I mean, as as a fan, as a, as a fan of of someone not named the Cavs and the Warriors. You know, the two great teams that were destined to play against each other. This is going to be the third time in a row that they play. Uh, but we're, I'm definitely ready for the offseason to begin so that we can start talking about free agency and the draft and things are a little bit more concrete. And then obviously I'm I'm, I'm more excited for the season to start back up again. But uh, there's there's many steps along the way before we get there. All right, guys. Thank you for listening in to the 26th episode of BuzzBeat Radio. Uh, the next time we have a go around – Spencer will be here, and uh, we're going to be back at it again for another show. Again, thanks for tuning in. And if you haven't, please give us a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, That would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, guys, uh, check out all of our posts at Queen City Hoops uh, and make sure that you have downloaded this podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm sure if you're listening to it, you're subscribed to it. But if not, subscribe to this podcast so that you can get it right when it comes out. Alright guys, go Hornets.